So welcome to the sermon. What a beautiful song and what a great introduction Myers gave to us. How much it means and how much um, shows us, Paul, that we can actually only grow if we grow together in love. Um, so oftentimes as we come to the sermon or as we come to the Bible, the Bible... Well, it's like, oh, we read to get to know God, and we do. In the process of getting to know God then also. The Bible reads us, and it's a mirror to us. Today we can look about, what I just talked about so far. When the Bible mirrors back to us, is it the desire that we would know God's love, his death, and his breath, and do that in community? Is that the desire we have Sometimes it also shows us our faults and failures. But that's not a bad thing. That's the thing where we can go to Jesus with those things um, and say, I give these things to you. As we are looking into um, our uh, sermon series in Acts, uh, we left uh, Paul, it was such a long passage, so we left uh, Paul and Barnabas and they had just been, they just they had just gone out of the, um, the synagogue and, and some people believed and some people followed them and they were encouraging them uh, to continue in the gr- grace of God. But they also got an invitation to come back and, to speak the next Sabbath. So let's pick up the text in uh, 44. And so we'll go from 44 to 52. And let's read the Lord's word together. Um, The next Sabbath, almost a whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what Paul what has been spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, it was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first, since you thrust it aside and judge yourself unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we're turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying God, uh, glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. But the Jews incited devout women of high standing and leading men of the city, stirring up persecution against Paul and Barnabas. And they drove them out of their district. And they shook off the dust of the feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. 
Um, we can just uh, if we just go to the map slide, I can just uh, just explain where we're at. So uh, we last time they we are in um, we're in Antioch of 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 uh, of, um, of Poseida, and so that's where they are at. So they walked a uh, hundred miles inland from when they came from Crete, and so we saw that they've now they've been there a week. He come back, you know, they're speaking. Uh, the ho- and and the other, so many people heard it that they came like the whole like the whole city came, um, but that caused some problems because um, because seeing all those people, the Jews were filled with jealousy, and jealousy is not in this in this context is not. This does not make any sense. Like last week, they say, "Hey, come back!" You know, we want to hear more. And all of a sudden, because they see they have success of having a lot of people, they change and they go like, "They have something we didn't have," and we will now start contradiction and even insulting Paul and Barnabas. As I talked about in the beginning, when we read the Bible, we also have to see that it reads us. So yes, you guessed it. That now we have to look at our hearts. Because we say, oh, the Jews are dumb. Like, they just, you know, they, <laughs> they just get jealous. Yeah, but what causes jealousy to arise in your heart? We have to look at that because it's a theme. As we come to different themes, they can also receive, re- reveal things in our hearts and minds. So when the Bible reads us, what is jealous? What when does jealousy arise in you? Is it like the is it like with the Jews when others notice more than you? Is it when you see somebody has something that you want—a car, a job, or something, or something? How does jealousy rear its ugly head at you? As it would say in your heart. And what is it that jealousy do? We saw it. Jealousy is actually irrational, hateful. It's it's insulting people, fighting with people that just last week they wanted to hear more about. If when jealousy rises up, try to remember: is this rational? Am I hurting others? And am I am I insulting others? And sometimes maybe you are so trained by culture that this doesn't come out of your mouth or your actions, but it rules in your thoughts and mind. So when these thoughts come, what is it saying about the state of your heart and the state of your being? It's a chance for us to repent. And even in maybe, uh, this is a little bit about my journey, and I don't know if you're the same, but if you grew up like kind of competing, then sometimes you get a mindset of it's about winning. So a lot of my, I don't think a lot of my, not a lot of my upbringing was about winning, but... I did scouting. It was about beating other scouts. You know, they came from other churches. So I saw, I saw way more other churches as comp- competition than collaboration. 
There was a lot of pride in being the best. So can we actually be jealous about other people, other churches even in town, or other churches at your hometown, be jealous that people go to those churches instead of our fellowship? It's actually something I had to learn to grow into as we did international ministry. Because what happened if some international went to another church? Was that a bad thing? Well, if it's about winning, it's a bad thing. But churches that love Jesus and want to encourage people to walk with Jesus faithfully, they're not competitors. They're collaborators. So we, in our hearts, we have this like, well, if somebody else succeeds, does that mean I'm failing? No, not at all. You could just be doing something totally different, which is good. Reaching out to different people. So it's not about where people go. It's about people getting to know Jesus and being discipled and walking with Jesus. Maybe this one hits a little bit more to you or close to home. Can we be jealous of other people's gifts and abilities? Oh, that person is so great at hospitality. That person is so good at serving. I want that gift. Well, I think maybe an encouragement here is like there's so much freedom in you don't have to envy anyone, especially about your spiritual gifts and I think also your abilities because God made you a certain way for a certain purpose, not to be a copy of another person. And the same thing with your, with your spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit chose which, ga- which gift or gifts you got, not so you would be somebody else, but you would be the person that God made you to be. You can ask, as Jesus says, you can ask, pray, but it's God that decides. And why do we even have those gifts? We have those gifts to build each other up. Not that the gifts would, would glorify us, but that those gifts would be, just like Myers also said in the beginning, would be part of what builds us up in the love of God in Christ Jesus, up to him as the head. Just looking at jealousy in general, looking at hard word, jealousy generally, um, it probably arises in our hearts when we see something, uh, when we believe we deserve something, and we see other people get it. We might not even know that we wanted it, but then we see somebody else get it, and it arises in us. But what does the gospel, what does the good news say about that? And I don't know if you're going to see this good news. Well, it's a reminder that when we think we are entitled to have more, it's a reminder that we deserve way less and way worse. As we talk about the cross of Christ, as we talk about learning to get to know Jesus better, when jealousy and me thinking I deserve more, that's a chance to, in my mind, go like, no, I actually deserve way worse because I've rebelled against God, slandered Him, 
And now here I'm saying I need, I deserve more. No, I actually deserve way worse. But in God's mercy, he shows us how much he loved us on the cross. We were, we had to, we can't even pay this debt. So I think that's a good thing just to be reminded about when these feeling goes up, like I deserve more respect, I deserve more money, I deserve more this, I deserve more this. Well, actually, we deserve way less and way worse. Looking at what arises in us when this happens, if there's something in your life that keeps just popping back up and you get jealous about all the time, maybe it's a way that the Holy Spirit is revealing you having an idol. Maybe you have an idol if you want respect from everybody. Maybe it's you have an idol if you want, uh, you want to, do you think something will fix everything like a job or education or something? Maybe it's actually a chance to turn from that. Uh, just this week I was listening to a sermon Myers sent to me and and it goes along the whole theme that we had. Um, and it comes from a very old man called Augustine of Hippo. So it's, he's the right old guy with the call his uh, one that's called the Confessions. And it's it's this notion that when we're jealous or when we desire something, as humans often our desires are so small that we settle with way less. So we see somebody else get something, or they get a new car, they get a something, whatever you're deciding this moment, you, you they get something, you're like, I want that. And then a famous author, C.S. Lewis, he, he said, a lot of times it's not because we have too big desires. It's because our desires are so small that we would sit and we would sit and play in a mud puddle because we have no idea what it looks like to go to the beach and play there. Like a picture of how, as humans, we settle to these temporary things that we think can satisfy us. Whether that's honor from people, whether it's food, we know we all get hungry again, and if we eat too much, we feel really bad. Or it's even even honor for other people or or something. We settle for something way less than what can dis- what can fulfill our desires. So it's not because we have too much. But sometimes I work with uh, teenagers and young people. It's like, oh, I have all these, you know, passions and all these things, and I, I think I'm, uh, you know, it's so hard to control these parts of my life. Uh, well, it's actually not because your passions are too strong. It's because they're too weak. So where is it that the passions are supposed to go? Well, in the line of the theme, is our strongest passion to get to know who God is. Not just get to know, but get to treasure, to desire who God is. Because those things then 
if we see God for who he really is, that he's, he's changing us, he's molding us, and we see that he's the only one who can fulfill these desires, then all these smaller desires are not even going to be compared. And we can like, are you tempting me with that? It's like, that's ridiculous. You know, I'm having my face towards God who is the one who can fulfill all things. If you're so satisfied in who God is and pursuing him so much, how can it be a temptation that somebody comes and lures you with some job or some car or some sexual favor or something weird? But it can't be because if you're all consumed with who God is, then that is what you will be what we will be pursuing and what we will have the greatest desire for. So it's not a call for us to be stoic and don't have feelings and different things. No, it's to have bright, passionate feelings for who God is. Something that's all-consuming. Then there wouldn't even be a temptation to look at porn, to have sex outside of marriage, to cheat on, cheat on your taxes, to to do all the things that are that that maybe can be a t- temptation, to 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 show off somebody who you aren't on social media, to to do all those things where you get praise from glory from men, because that's not what it's about. It's about finding joy and desire in who God is. So in that sense, sin would be made look foolish in our eyes. Then there's no reason to steal or to talk badly about people or whatever things we think can satisfy us. But all these things is one of the things that we've talked about at length is it takes humbleness for us to see that we are undeserving servants that has been adopted by Christ's work and by the grace of God and by the Holy Spirit. Humbleness and joy in Christ putting our face towards him can keep us from jealousy and most other sins. Just another word about jealousy. Um, But God is jealous. And uh, famously, like, Oprah said, I don't want a God that's jealous. And then she brought it, or whatever. No, all feelings in God are 100% right. The thing that happens when they are transferred to us, it's the way we're made in God's image. We have the same feelings, but when they're transferred to us, they're broken. And I, I just keep back and coming back to this commentary Lee used at one point. What happens in the garden when they eat, eat of the, and I can't remember his name, what, what happens in the garden when, when they eat of the tree, everything becomes about themselves. But everything is about God. The reference point is always God, but now our reference point is ourself, and that creates all sorts of problems. So our jealousy is never 100% right. Probably 95% of the time it's wrong. But God's jealousy is always right. How is that? Well, because God doesn't ever take anything. He puts things in the right place. And you may say, like, 
I think I've felt it a few times, the right kind. Like, like we can be jealous for one another to get to know God. We can be praying, pouring in to get more people to know Jesus. That might be the right kind of jealousy. So that was the first part. So the second part, what happened, the second thing that happens is that <laughs> they meet opposition because of this jealousy. So what do we do? What do you do when you meet opposition? Again, like the mirror shows us, like we see Paul and <laughs> Paul and Barnabas, they like do the right thing. There's like to get up to speak just boldly. Um, but what do I do? What do you do when you meet opposition? Uh, there's many theories about people. You know, you have the people that's going to fight you, and then you have the people that are going to fly the flee. But the question is, like, maybe there's a gospel way of doing this. Maybe there's the right way in between. So look at looking at Barnabas and Paul. They they don't flee, and they don't start fighting back and throwing rocks at them or anything. And they don't start insulting them back. But in love, they speak the truth to them. They say, like, we were called to share the gospel first with you guys. But since you decide that you're not worthy of this message, just like Isaiah said, we will go and share with the Gentiles. So they're not, they're not fleeing. They're not fighting. But they're speaking the truth in love, saying, Get, you, have, you don't understand, guys. Because of your jealousy, you are, you, you, you are rejecting the salvation of Jesus, the one that was promised one. So you count yourself unworthy. Okay, that's your choice, but now we, have, we are going to share this good news. All the way from Abraham to now, everyone's going to be blessed. The gospel way. And what beautiful words. The Gentiles respond so differently from Isaiah. I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvations to the end of the earth from Isaiah. The beautiful words for the whole world. Paul is connecting, Paul and Barnabas is connecting the suffering servant from Isaiah with Jesus and it echoes those words from Abraham. You'll be a blessing to all the nations. But the Jews reject it. Jesus comes and says, I am the light of the world. He's the light of the world. But then he sends out his witnesses. He says, you will be my witnesses in Acts 2. You are the light of the world. So for us as believers today, we are sent here to be lights in this world. To let to know who God is. So our question is, can we in the same sense, as we're, as we're cultivating our desires to love God more and more, will we be these bold and courageous witnesses? And in this case, it's so beautiful. You see this great joy about the, uh, among the Gentiles. They respond and they, they rejoice and they, like, they glorify in the word of God. They're saying, oh, this is so beautiful that I say I'd prophesy said this. We were just so thankful that we can get to know God and we can have salvation in Jesus' name. And then the text says, and, and, and all who were upon it, 
appointed to eternal life, they responded. And so this is one of the things where you're skeptic, you don't like this, you don't like God can appoint, you don't like God can elect, you don't like he predestined before the world began. What about free will? What about all these things? I'm not going to go into debate here, but I can take it, we can do it, but it's not the point. It's never been the point of the election in the Bible. It's never been a point of like, oh, what about it? What's it no, it's about confidence in who God is. It's about Paul, Luke, and other people that have this doctrine, which I firmly, be true, uh, firmly believe is true, is encouraging people. As one person said in a prayer meeting today, he's an evangelist, so, so great guy, um, he goes and speaks at uh, piers, uh, different beaches in, in California. He's like, I know God is working in people. My job is to be faithful with sharing. The people that have ears to ear will respond, and other people, they will reject. So the goal has never been to figure out who's who. The goal has been to be faithful and that to know when you go somewhere, like Paul, Barnabas, anybody traveling anywhere, uh, Russ and Marius and me and everybody, some people will respond because God is already working in them. That is the encouragement of this doctrine. And also the encouragement of these people responding that this is not just coincidence. This is God working in them. Appointing them. Calling them by his Holy Spirit. Opening their eyes to see who he is. And then we have this transition. And by now we've had it a few times. It's in 49. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. What joy that that Luke here is Luke here again is kind of a transition, but still, like the, the word is still spreading in the whole region, and many people are getting to know Jesus like a wildflower, not flower, like a wild fire. It spreads, and people believe in Jesus. But then we have something that happens here because the Jews could not verbally refute uh, the Barnabas and Paul. They could not withstand them. You know, the Stephen, they had to stone him with Paul and Barnabas. They can't withstand them. And I think their group maybe is too big. But then they find a coalition of influenced people, influential people and they physically throw them out of the whole region. <laughs> They're dragging them out of the whole region. It's like, leave. It's like, what, what, can we debate this? Can we talk about the scriptures? No, you can leave, can you? Yes, you can. Because we don't want you here. But then the hard part becomes, <laughs> as we've been talking about the whole time. What happens here for us? What happens when we don't have the words? Do we have the same same tendency to get physical with people? If you do, you need to repent because that is not the way of Jesus. In Christ, we are the children of light. 
and we're to do his will and we don't see in Jesus that he takes up a fight physically. When we don't win an argument, we don't intimidate. We don't use force in the person we have. You can, but you will lose the relationship. So today, and I guess especially in this time, a lot of us are not even meeting physically. So if we look at our online persona, what do we do when we talk to people and disagree? And if you don't believe me, find any thread on Facebook and you will see it immediately. If somebody comes with a real argument and somebody doesn't have words, the person that doesn't have words will start insulting the other person. Either by name calling or just saying, oh, you're stupid, or like your mom's like... It's, it, is a, it is crazy to see how that happens. And it's good to know, uh, and it's easy to make fun of other people, and I come to just <laughs> something about myself in just a moment, but... When you're in a debate and you start thinking the other person is stupid, ugly, and you want to call them names, you've lost that debate. Because you don't have words to to explain what's going on. And when it happens, maybe, again, you're, you're good at this, you're not going to write on Facebook, they're all mor- morons, even though you think so. Then when that happens in your mind and heart we have to be reminded that those people are made in the image of God and the way I treat them in my mind is also going to determine how I will treat them in real life I might not say anything but maybe that's actually the problem because I made a a judgment that I'm not going to share the words of life with those people because I think they're this or that or this. So we have to look at what do we do when we don't have words in debates or get really frustrated? Do we get physical? Do we get abusive with calling people names? And old, old uh, in the New Testament, we have this. Uh, we have these two categories: they are tax collectors and sinners. They're being called names, but they're actually people. So I don't say these things because I master this. Like most of you guys think, <laughs> most of you guys, I think I've been pretty honest that I, when I don't understand things, it's really hard for me to respond well. So I'm not like, oh, I never think these things. I do sometimes think everybody's something. <laughs> But that's a chance for all of us to like, when I think that, what do I need to do? When I think everybody's dumb, or I think everybody's strange. When I'm tempted to call out people names, or use my physical appearance, what do I need to do? It's going to be like we talked about before. 
Why is this even important? If my desire is to seek out with all my heart, soul, and mind, and find my treasure in Him, then what is it that I'm disputed about with these people that makes me want to call them names and uh, all those things? I have to look at what am I, what is it I'm really living for, what I really want. In this case, it's probably full of pride, arrogance, and thinking that I'm way better than everybody else. So it's a chance for us with these things arise in your mind and heart to turn back. It's a sign that we need Jesus. To remove our minds. Ask him, why am I so frustrated at this? Ask him to let us love Jesus more. Love people more. I mean, we're called to love our enemies. Not to call them names. We're called to love and to serve God. God will deal with people in judgment. That is not our job. How does Paul and Barnabas react? It's probably not for them maybe... um, um, a surprise. I mean, Paul has been, been trying to kill Paul for a while now, and and Jesus has said to disciples, you, disciples, disciples, you will be rejected, and they kind of know what to do when they're rejected. They get up and they they shake up the dust and say, "You've rejected us. We will now depart." And this dust is a witness against you that you didn't receive the salvation that we preach to you the great thing about their response is they're not going like oh man like we got kicked out of this region you're like Duh. like they're not really down because what does it say there it says but they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit so yes, they were thrown out. But before they were thrown out, so massive amounts of people come to know Jesus. As they are thrown out, they shake up the dust and the Holy Spirit has been working in them and they are full of joy. Because where does the joy come from? It's one of the things that the Holy Spirit creates in us. His work in us is what gives us joy. So just re- uh, recapturing everything. Jealousy. What happens when jealousy arises? Mostly, could it be that the size we have are too weak and too small? That we need to pursue God. We need to know God more, His love even better, the depth, the breadth more. Because then things we would not really be jealous about those things. How do we react, about, how do we react when there's opposition? We start getting violent, physical with words. Remember, we're lights in the world. When we reject it, is there something in us that's, that's worth more than the rejection? That the Holy Spirit had worked in us that we can even with joy say, no, God is so much greater and there's so much more love and grace in Him 
I'll choose to continue to trust and to seek and to pour out my passions to get to know him better. And seeing all the things he's, jumped, he's done, and the Holy Spirit is working through us and in us because we can see from where we came to where we are now. And so it's time just to, to be reflecting, to be thinking about these things and a call to enjoy who God is. Not a joy to suppress some of what you think is your desires, but to fan in the flame and to look to God to satisfy those. It's not the work of ourselves. It is the work of the Holy Spirit in and through us. And if you fall, if you, if you, if those three things that I talked about, you just feel massive condemnation. That is never the point of why we do this. Because uh, by God's providence too, I was reading through Romans also. And so in Romans 8, 1, there is no condemnation for the, for the one who is in Christ Jesus. We don't preach for condemnation. We preach for conviction. So if the Lord, the Holy Spirit is convicting you, repent and turn to him that is what we do when things arrive not go to champagne and guilt and run away but help one another to run to Jesus so we're going to continue to go through Acts my prayer has always been through the whole time that we would really truly experience that the Holy Spirit is in us as believers and we will trust as we seek God's will that we have the power to do what the things he has called you to do with your gifts, with your abilities, with you being placed here, that he would show you the people, the things, the place in the fellowship where you can use your gifts and abilities, the, way, the people he wants to read you to pray for, the people he wants you to connect with. May that be how God blesses and encourages you. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for the book of Acts and just helping us to see more of who you are. God, thank you, Jesus, so much for being here, encouraging our hearts and minds to decide way more the love of God and who you are. So Lord, I pray against any condemnation by anybody just going through. This is not about condemnation. It's about seeking who you are and trusting in you, Jesus. And I pray for anybody who's just like maybe confused, sad, or anything. You know, Lord, meet them where they at by your Spirit. That salvation is free, but it's going to cost everything. That there's not no cheap grace because you have paid it all. You showed God your love for us while we were still sinners. You sent Jesus that we might become the righteousness, become righteous in him. And God, Jesus is not dead. He's ascended at your right hand and he's coming back. And Lord, I pray that you help us be faithful, bold, courageous, desiring you more and more as we're looking to your coming.
So we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. So you may rise for the benediction. Um, And just uh, just before that, if you have a prayer request, we do have the prayer group on the WhatsApp. You can uh, post post them there um also if you want to share some pictures for next week um from your day from parts of uh, what you do with and in through the fellowship they can be older that's okay um um as you saw um Ava has made this intro video and so the vision for that is to have some different pictures and some different things every time so we see some updates from one another um so if you want that you are you can send that um I send out an email with um I send out an email with an email address you can send it to um yeah So let's uh, stand up and receive the benediction. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God and Savior through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Have a great week.